Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Very special episode of Red Business this week being brought to you from behind the scenes at the Cork Chamber Dinner. I will be on the stage in a couple of hours' time, sharing the stage with the president of Cork Chamber, who is with me now, Paula Cogan. How are you? I'm great. So looking forward to tonight. We are out and about. I mean, it will have happened by the time people listen to this, but it is there's a great sense of excitement and anticipation that we're back in a room. Amazing. We are out, out, not just out. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's the, the atmosphere just around everybody whizzing around getting ready is just fantastic right now all of the winners are currently under wraps so we can't talk about it but i will reveal at the end of the podcast who actually won this year but you have been involved in the judging process and it was tough wasn't it it was a very tough year um i suppose what's been very fortunate is that even during covid we've had so many exciting announcements and expansion in cork from a business perspective so we have a really diverse group coming through um at the judging panel this year um, and the winners are outstanding but lots of hours of debate and negotiation as to who should be the winners this evening. And when you think about it, uh, you, you have been president for a little bit longer than you anticipated. COVID, yes. COVID added a few months to your sentence. Uh, but you, you, we saw so much innovation in that time. And tonight's an opportunity to celebrate that, isn't it? It is. And again, the interesting thing for me is that you, we have so many core companies who now are working on a global scale. Um, so while COVID has been difficult, it's brought a huge amount of opportunity for core companies as well to be able to deliver internationally, not just nationally or locally. Normally this event is in City Hall uh, but uh, City Hall had a higher purpose this year so it's our first time in Parky Cueve. It's looking great out there isn't it? People are, are going to be surprised at, at how we could transform what was the premium level for the Ed Sheeran concert last weekend into this. It was a nice event to open for you actually I meant to say that. It was and we were hoping he may stay around for a couple of days but uh, unfortunately he had other commitments but yeah we've moved down river is how I would describe <laughs> it um, to our new location and it, it, it is fantastic Fantastic. And again, the space offers something very different for this evening. Um, some people might uh, feel that, you know, City Hall um, is where everything should be at, but it's great to have another venue in the city. Um, and as you say, people haven't been out in two years, Jonathan. So I can only imagine um, the buzz that's going to be here once the 990 people arrive this evening. Mm, we've got Kiri's as the headline sponsor here. Lots of other support uh, here tonight as well. The business community coming together. Uh, is such an important thing. It's what Court Chamber has been about since its inception. Um, and not being able to do that had a psychological impact. So, I mean, I, we know COVID hasn't gone away and we know there's other challenges which you'll be referencing tonight to the economic community, but there is a sense of, of hope tonight. There is. And um, I suppose we've all missed that interaction with people. There is just so many teams and Zoom calls that you can do. And I think that innovation comes from people. I mean, I've been intrigued over the years, uh, the amount of stories of kind of new partnership and starts up that actually happened at the night at the chamber dinner, because people get to have conversations and be introduced to to other companies and businesses as well. So I'm hoping that's what's going to happen here again tonight. Well, I don't know about you, but I have to go and get my hair done now. So we'll park the conversation. We will announce at the end who the winners at the Cork Chamber dinner are. But for now, thank you so much for joining us backstage. Paula Cogan, President of Cork Chamber. Pleasure. Thanks, Jonathan. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, 25 world premieres, warehouse dance, beatboxing, a seven-metre globe hanging from the roof of St. Coleman's, 125-year-old theatre and more. Uh, It sounds like the Cork Midsummer Festival is making up for a little bit of lost time, bringing its fully live programme back in style. Festival director Lorraine May is with us. You're welcome to Red Business, Lorraine. How are you? 
I'm very well. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it really is great to be back. We were just talking with Paula Cogan of Cork Chamber about the excitement of having this event in Barky Cueve. You guys must be beside yourselves getting going for this year's festival. Yeah, I mean, beside ourselves is a good way to describe it. We, this will be our first live festival in three years. Um, so the last time we did a fully live festival was 2019. So um, this year we, we, you know, we really wanted to concentrate on that, bringing people back together getting people back in venues, back in big groups outdoors, you know, having all of these brilliant moments in the city where we're all gathering together and celebrating and having great arts adventures as well in the city. So what's changed when it comes to an event like this? Are you doing Anthem differently now post-COVID? Are we just back to business? Yeah, I guess in a way we are kind of back to business in some ways. But we're, we're still obviously thinking about the fact that, you know, I mean, COVID is still here, um, you know, and, and anything can happen, you know, like the, the there could be a new variant or, you know, in terms of some of the shows, you know, some of the cast gets sick, you know, with COVID as well, they may not be able to go ahead. So there is still all of that. And obviously we're, we're also still aware that some people, you know, they may be a little bit reluctant, you know, to come back to big live events indoors and outdoors. Um, and we have events that are specially designed for that, like art gifts, uh, where you can order um, an art performance directly to your door. It's a surprise. You open the door, you don't know what you're getting. Um, but it's, it, you know, it's on your doorstep. It's nice and sort of, um, you know, kind of safe and outdoors. So we, we have kind of designed the festival so that um, whatever, however you're feeling, you know, about coming back to events, that there's something for you. Yeah, and there is a lot of it. I just listed some of the things there. What's this about a giant thing hanging from St. Coleman's? <laughs> so that's a piece called Gaia um, by an artist called Luke Jerram. Um, and I saw this in um, Ipswich and it's absolutely stunning. It's so beautiful. Um, we had Museum of the Moon, uh, another artwork of his, a few years ago, we did that out in CIT. But this is a really brilliant one for families and for children and, you know, just to sort of come in and see it like it's, it's, it's just, it's stunning. Uh, and uh, Belvilly Castle and St. Coleman's Cathedral are actually working together to bring that to Cove. I think it's going to be in a really beautiful venue as well. And that's, that's really not to be missed. Um, there are so many different things. Are, are you trying to do a little something for everybody? Because the arts has been so badly disrupted uh, over the course of the last two years that artists everywhere want to get out. I mean, there is no, is there a single theme this year or is it just a great smorgasbord of style? <laughs> so we never set a theme, um, but the themes, you know, they often do emerge, you know, as you move along. So I would say the kind of overriding feeling this year is one of awakening. Um, and that's something that, you know, I think is kind of throughout the program, awakening of stories, you know, we're, we're sort of hearing some hidden stories, some stories, uh, uh, you know, that are older that we know, but, you know, looking at them in a different way. There's also lots of different voices in the program as well. And, um, you know, that idea of kind of awakening the streets, uh, the spaces, the stages, everything in the city, I would say that's that's an overriding thing. And also community, um, you know, and, and I think um, I think everybody now realizes more than ever the importance of community and being together. Um, and so, you know, that that idea of kind of bringing people together around different art forms, um, you know, different types of communities, different spaces. That was really important to us this year as well. Organizing something like this is tricky because you have to try and appeal to lots of different ages and people who are doing different things and who are interested in one type of the arts and not the other. How difficult is it to try and program something along those lines? Well, I guess, you know, the festival has a few things that it focuses on. You know, it's it's all new work, um, the majority of it. I mean, you know, some of it we're touring uh, internationally, but the majority of it is new. So it's it's that idea of um, 
of having chats with artists, um, you know, figuring out what audiences, you know, want to see and then trying to kind of make a festival that allows people to, you know, access it at various different points while also thinking about, you know, what the festival is here to do. So, you know, this festival will be different to another one. You know, like what, what is it that the Midsummer Festival is here to do and to offer to audiences in particular? Well, there is a business involved here. I mean, arts is a business, just not a particularly well-paid one. So artists rely on events like this to, to, to get a form of income, don't they? So that's why you've got a mix of events, some of which will be probably free to the public, but others have to, uh, you have to get tickets and, and people can buy tickets right now, can't they? Yeah, they can. And uh, you're right, like festivals are really important part of, you know, the overall kind of cultural landscape for artists. And the Midsummer Festival is a really important platform. Um, so people would, you know, they would put on their brilliant work in our festival. It would be seen by presenters and, and other people, um, uh, you know, who would hopefully come and bring that elsewhere as well. Um, and yes, ticket sales are a big part of our, uh, our sort of financial mix. Um, and tickets are, are on sale now as well from our, our website, corkmidsummer.com. Corkmidsummer.com is the website. It sounds like it's going to be absolutely brilliant. Lorraine, remind us of the dates again. It's the 15th to the 26th of June. Okay, so plenty of time to pick what you're going to enjoy. Lorraine, best of luck to you and the team. And fingers crossed it's going to be the best one yet. Thanks for joining Thanks, us. Million. Thank you. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Now on Red Business, we often talk about the world of work and how it's been transformed to make it flexible and accessible and open using technology to get the job done. So it makes sense that the education system feeding new talent into the workforce prioritises those areas as well. And there's a new arrival on the education landscape in Cork that's looking to do just that. John Fitzgibbons is Director of Further Education and Training at Cork ETB. He's with me now. You're welcome to Red Business, John. Thank you, Jonathan. Good to be with you today. Tell us about the new Cork College of FET. What's it about? Okay, Jonathan. So Cork College of FET, and in your introduction there, you said we were a new arrival. And yes, we are, but we have a long history. And so what we're doing, Jonathan, is we're taking what is Cork Education and Training Board's further education and training service and reshaping it to meet the needs of the future. So um, right across Cork City and County, we have post-leaving certificate colleges, we have training centers, we have adult learning centers, and we are reconstructing those under Cork College of FET so that we can meet the needs of learners, businesses, and communities and at now and into the future. And I suppose what we're trying to do and intending to do through this is make sure that any learner who wants to access a program can do so and uh, without necessarily having to come and attend a center as traditionally they would have done in the past and so it's 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 a lot of it as we develop will be about producing and developing um, flexible learning activities or flexible learning programs for people so if you're in castletown bear or Yall or Mitchellstown, and that you should be able to avail of the vast majority of our programs wherever you are. Now, this is not um, this is not online programs. These are supported programs. They'll be blended learning programs, and in many ways, they'll be using and adapting lessons we've learned over the last two years and then throughout the pandemic about how we can reshape our. Our, our programs to meet the needs of learners um, and make sure that they can access them. 
Now, the, the challenge here, of course, traditionally has been if you're doing a course, you have to go there. You might have to get a bus or you might have to get public transport. It was a bit of a hassle. What we've learned in the last two years is you can do business really well online and it makes sense you can do education because they've been doing that as well. So are you hoping to catch a different kind of cohort here of people who would benefit from the courses offered by those colleges who might have been put off by the fact they'd have to sit in a room? Yes, um, in in a nutshell, and uh, that's very much part of the focus. And that so, like I mentioned, people who might be in in areas that are, are much more distant from the main centres that are offering a wider range of courses. And that so, if 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 through this um, initiative, and that we can make those courses available, and that then those people don't have the distance to travel. But we also have to think about other cohorts of learners as well. We have say people. Um, and I'm going to be um, very blunt. We have women and that who are at home minding families, men as well, but primarily uh, uh, that that duty falls to a lot of women, and that who may want to gain a new qualification or an additional qualification so they can come back into the workforce, but they still have their other responsibilities. So this flexible model opens up avenues for them. We have people who are working, and that. Um, and want to get an additional qualification which is relevant to the field of work that they're in or maybe get another qualification which maybe allows them to advance either in that field or to move into another field mm. but again because of work pressures and that um, physically attending a location and that is too demanding so flexibility and providing pathways is very much at the core of what we're trying to do okay. over the next number of years. Ultimately, John, this is to benefit the people who will be on the courses, but also employers will benefit from this as well, because we're going to have uh, an extra cohort of staff available right across the county uh, who will have extra training. And let's face it, there are labour shortages right across the market right now. And there's no reason why people shouldn't get a decent paid job if they want one. That's true, and that and it's about both getting that decent paid job and having the skills and the qualifications that enable you to get that, and and, and providing the flexible options to to gain those. But in addition to that, and a, a very significant part of what we're doing through this this initiative um, is building on work that we commenced a number of years ago, and that to provide more tailored and targeted training for people who are in employment. So under um, a national initiative called the Skills to Advance Initiative, we're in a position with any company, any business, any sector to design and tailor a particular training um, intervention to the needs of the people currently working in that sector. And again, whereas in the past it might have involved a trainer going out to a location or the, the staff from that location coming into one of our centres, and that's still part of it because there are some things you physically have to be present for. And, uh, but there's a lot of things, again, that you can deliver online that can be blended in that. Okay. So, again, we deliver more to the business and to the, the employer. John, it sounds like a great initiative at a time when education is constantly evolving and changing. Tell us a little bit about how people can find out more. Is there a website they can look at? They can, they can go to the Cork ATB website and look for Cork College of FET on the um, front page of that, and that will take them into um, details about the whole initiative, all the centres, the courses and the programmes that are on offer, and, that, and it will give them contact details there as well. OK, John Fitzgibbons, Director of Further Education and Training at Cork ETB. Thanks very much for talking to us, John. Jonathan, you're very welcome. 
Red Business with Jonathan Healy. So we've reached the end of the Cork Chamber annual dinner and what an evening it has been here at Parky Cueve. The winners in the end in the emerging category were Green Rebel. Uh, for the SME category, it was Simply Blue Group. In the large category, it was Altada. But in the international category, it was Carberry. Not only did they win the international category, they were also the winner of the overall Cork Company of the Year. And the CEO, Jason Hawkins, is with me. Now, Jason, congratulations to you. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Um, Great evening here. And uh, were you surprised that you won the overall Company of the Year award, given it was very stiff competition, wasn't it? Absolutely, Jonathan. We're incredibly humbled, given the competition and given the other companies and nominees here this evening, that Carberry Group will be recognised by our peers and win the overall award. Now, you're an old business, 1968. There's older, don't get me wrong, but uh, you've grown an awful lot. I mean, what is it in the international sphere that you've done that's been recognised here this evening? Yeah, in particular, I think, you know, we've grown our value-added ingredients business, particularly our flavour business internationally, through a series of acquisitions and, and organic investments right around the world. So, again, starting from humble, indigenous, local um, uh, beginnings, really to push that forward into global markets. But as a dairy group, ultimately you're nothing without the farmers and the shareholders who are around you. This is not just a success for the Carberry Group, it's a success for everybody who is a dairy farmer in West Cork who provides the milk to you. Indeed, look, without our farmer shareholders, they were the ones 60 years ago that, that saw the vision for this business and were willing to invest in the business. And they really have continued to support the business over these years. So this is this award this evening is very much as much theirs as it is all of our employees and, uh, and the overall company. Well, I won't delay from the celebrations much longer. Jason Hawkins, CEO of Carberry, thank you so much for joining us on Red Business this evening here at the Cork Company of the Year Awards. Thank you, Jonathan. And that's it from this special episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Kira McDonough was the producer. All the episodes are up on redextra.ie and we'll catch you, as always, on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.